All right, so this is the first episode of our About Face podcast. Uh, I am Ian. I got uh, Sammy and Jack with our uh, guest, Mr. Phil Rondazzo. For those of you that don't know, Mr. Phil uh, started an organization called American Dream U. Uh, it's an organization that helps veterans uh, out there that are that are looking for jobs, whether it be entrepreneurship or uh, business realm. Uh, Mr. Phil, thank you for, for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get right into it. So I, I was curious as to, I guess, uh, what, what, what inspired you to do something like this? Yeah, so the foundation started back in uh, March of 2003. So I'm approaching 18 years. And, you know, obviously 9-11 kind of got me angry and sparked uh, to take some action. Joining the military was just not in the cards for me due to a whole, a whole bunch of different things, including multiple sports injuries. And so after the Iraq war started, I, I just felt compelled to do something. And that's when we started this private foundation. And the first 11 years were helping the wounded, their families. We were one of the largest contributors to Wounded Warrior Project when there was eight guys filling backpacks in the mid-2000s. Uh, I spent a lot of time at Walter Reed, Bethesda, when, you know, Walter Reed, the old Walter Reed, when literally they had, you know, soldiers, Marines, sailors stacked in the hallways. It was just craziness. And then uh, 2013, you know, we showed up at Walter Reed and there was, you know, four guys doing PT, which was great to see versus everything, everything real filled up. And so I talked to a, a general officer who was a colonel when I met him and I said, hey, you know, what can we do now to help support? Because, you know, there's, thank God, there's less men and women coming back. And he says, you know, for some, the transition can be a little difficult. And I said, okay. So I grabbed a handful of entrepreneurs and Forrest Griffin, the UFC champ. And we went to mm -hmm. JBLM mm -hmm. and did an event. And, you know, I guess everyone's used to, you know, retired general officers coming and talking to them with 2000 PowerPoint slides and all that kind of stuff. And we showed up with no projector, no slide and all these, you know, the founder of Allegiant Airlines, the guy's worth a billion dollars and a fighter and all these entrepreneurs. And they started leaning in, you know, and huh. taking out their notes and, I think they were like, wow, this is something. And then the general officer was like, we've never really seen this. So when can you come back? And that's kind of started. That was June of 2013. So that's how kind of American Dream You started. Uh, yes, sir. And we began this journey. Yeah. And so we've done 171, 172 events. That's how I met you. Mm -hmm. um, and now with COVID, you know, now we're doing online stuff. But it's it's been an incredible journey. And um, I love working with you all. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, I, obviously, I had the the pleasure of meeting you, and I, I found it fascinating. I, I guess the breadth of of American Dream you and who you had come talk to is, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, you had Tiger Woods's former sports psychologist come talk to us, correct? So, yep. like, how, how do you yeah. how, how do you get individuals like that involved in something like this? Yeah, you know, the first the first seven or eight were difficult because we had never done this before. And then, you know, we provide an experience for them. And that experience looks like hanging out with soldiers, um, you know, doing obstacle courses, doing PT, getting briefings. And they're like, wow, I never knew there was more to the military than, you know, what you kind of see on TV. And so now we, we had a waiting list last uh, 2019, December, we had a waiting list of about 380 speakers to come speak. Wow. Um, some were... You know, you would call them C-listers, which are still outstanding entrepreneurs. And then we have, you know, we had a couple of billionaires that were on the waiting list to come speak. Obviously, we would push them up because it takes quite a bit to get to, to be worth a, a billion dollars. But 
Yeah. So, so he was an outstanding speaker, right? It wasn't just Tiger Woods. He, he coached a lot of very successful um, entrepreneurs. So, you know, they just, there's a lot of people that want to support and give, they just don't have an outlet to do that. So we mm. kind of provide that outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard to become worth a billion dollars unless you win the mega millions, which just happened. Yeah. You know? so. yeah. Did someone win? <laughs> yeah, they Michigan. did. Yes, sir. Yeah. Michigan. Oh, Michigan this morning. Yeah. 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 Good for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if only it were that easy uh, for, yeah. for those of us who uh, don't. Uh, it was for somebody. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those that, uh, yes. that don't, this is the, the route to go if you want to become worth a billion dollars. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sammy, it's probably, it's probably someone that went in to get, you know, a gallon of milk and like, right. Hey, buy me a ticket. Yeah. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. They yeah. just picked the right numbers that day. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what would you say to, to veteran? Cause you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are, that are, you know, um, you know, military, uh, and, and some of them are out too, and, and they kind of got into some, some jobs, you know, I talk to them every now and again and they, uh, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's cool. Um, I miss the camaraderie though. You know, that's mm. the kind of the, the biggest thing that they miss. And, you know, uh, a lot of people that, that have ever served, um, can attest to that. Um, so, so with them being stuck, I don't want to say stuck, but with them, I guess more or less being in a job that is, you know, your standard job that, that they would get into. I mean, how would you, I guess, more or less encourage somebody if they want to go the entrepreneurial route? Cause that, that's a very scary route. I mean, I, I've, you know, I, I've thought about it, uh, you know, for whenever, uh, you know, my time expires, uh, you know, doing something like that. Cause it does, it seems like, you know, the, the end all be all, you just work for yourself and you know, you don't have to mm -hmm. answer anybody. Uh, but it is a scary thing, uh, you know, when you're talking about getting loans and going into debt and getting all this overhead for whatever it is you want to do. I mean, so how would you more or less, uh, I guess, stoke those concerns, not stoke them, but suppress them? Yeah. So so being an entrepreneur, I've been an entrepreneur since I was I was 24. And, you know, I only had one kid at the time, very little overhead. And I I, I kind of dipped my toes into it. So I, I had a day job. And then I would come home, spend some time with the wife and kid, and then I would be an entrepreneur from 8.30 at night until midnight. And then once I had the confidence and a little bit of cash flow from my business, that's when I slowly started to step back. So to jump in to be an entrepreneur, it can definitely happen, and a lot of people have done it. Um, but I talk to so many veterans and people get in the military and they have obligations, right? They have a spouse, they have kids, they have overhead, they got to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. um, you know, military does cover, you know, some expenses and then they got to pay for, you know, a lot of stuff when they get out. So I, I don't recommend uh, unless you're single and you don't have overhead and you have a big runway, right? Let's say you've mm -hmm. got 18 month savings in the bank and you got some runway and maybe you live at home or, you know, you live with some buddies then maybe jump into that process. But you really got to make sure that your idea, there's someone out there that's willing to pull out their credit card for your product or service. Mm -hmm. And I see so many times people have this idea, they think it's the greatest idea, but they don't even, you know, they ask their close friends and their parents and what are their parents going to say? Oh, young Timmy, I think it's a great idea. You're the smartest yeah. kid I have, right? <laughs> yeah. Go do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they go out there and no one wants to buy their product. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we're doing live online classes. There was a veteran on one of our sprint courses who bought a franchise placing individuals, right? He was a job placement service in an industry that doesn't exist anymore, right? A lot mm -hmm. of industries because of COVID don't exist. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, he, this great idea, right time, 
dumped a ton of money into it. Zero revenue after the fifth month mm. because of COVID. Oh, man. So, you know, it's, buy, it's like buying a house in 2007. You yeah. know, right thing to do, buy a house. And then 2008 in Vegas, houses went down 70%. Wow. And so, you know, it's the right thing. So re- you really got to do your homework and you got to talk to people who are ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You know, a year ahead of you, six years ahead of you. And some of the speakers that I brought to Hood, they're 10 years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I have a little bit of success, but I always want to learn from people ahead of me, even six months ahead of you. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the old saying of, uh, you know, if you want to get good at something and, you know, as you mentioned before, you're an athlete, right? You know, so you never always played with people that were, you know, on level with you or below you always played with the, the individuals that were, you know, better than you. It's same thing that, you know, anybody does at UFC fighters, whatever. They always fight against people who are better than them because it takes them to that next level. For sure. And, and so another thing that I recommend and I ha- we have recommended for years is let's say you want to get into a certain business. Let's say you want to be a home builder or, you know, we had a guy, um, one of our events who wanted to get into a cement contracting company, right? And Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Race, we brought him mm-hmm. to speak at one of our races. And he's like, you ever work construction? He goes, no, I just know someone who makes a ton of money. And Joe's like, go out and work for a guy who owns a concrete company and work for free for a week and see how you like it. Mm-hmm. He's like, why would I work for free? And Joe like got in his face. He's like, dude, how do you know if you're going to like it? Like mm-hmm. when you own a company, you got to know how to lay cement and know how to, you know, what vehicles you need a truck and what the weight and the bearings and the load and all this kind of stuff. There's not, you just don't put up a, a shingle and all of a sudden start doing that. Mm-hmm. So I, we highly recommend people go out and go work for a company that does something maybe you want to do. Say, hey, I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. I'm coming out of the military. I want to get into coding. I want to start my own coding business. Can I sit and, you know, I've got this little nano degree coding. Can I sit with you and see how you operate your business? Nine out of 10 times you're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and fortunately I think the army's kind of caught on to that in the aspect. They have these CSP programs for individuals mm-hmm. that are, that are getting out, retiring, whatever. Um, the career skills programs that they do where they can, you know, they have a, a huge list of companies out there that want to work with the military and you can go there and you work, Obviously, not getting paid, but you get kind of you know some on the job on the job training with them, um, you know. So I, I think that you know we're the military is definitely catching up in that aspect of ensuring that you know I believe the statistic is there's like five hundred thousand homeless veterans right now, which is mm. you know something that is fantastic for you know organizations like yourself, and that's why you know obviously we want to do podcasts and, and get that message out there because. You know, in whatever capacity you serve, you've always served. And, you know, there's there's companies out there that want to hire you, that want to, you know, help you out. And, um, you know, I think that's fantastic. Um, so I was reading in your bio, though, that you uh, you actually met. Did you, did you meet Pat Tillman is what I, I, I read? No, I never met Pat. I, you know, okay. I, I, he- I heard about him after he died, uh, obviously. And I was just blown away how someone leaves, you know, almost a four million dollar contract, uh, a wife, joins the military to make 22 grand a year, you know, mm-hmm. and he was mowing yeah. lawns and here's this, you know, NFL athlete, you know, and then the tragic thing happened with the friendly fire incident. And so I got to meet his mom, his brother who served with him, his other brother, his dad. And so he just, he, he kind of got me inspired. I'd already had my foundation before Pat was, mm-hmm. was killed in April of 04. Mm-hmm. But I just look at him as someone who, you know, um, got the last scholarship at ASU. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, was drafted in the last round of the NFL draft 
uh, to Arizona because he was a star at ASU. They figured, hey, Arizona sucked. You know, they figured he would put some more people in the stands. <laughs> you know, the success never went to his head. You know, still drove an old car. You know, all he was all about community, friends, and family. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I I needed that reminder because I was caught up in the entre- entrepreneurial game of comparing myself to other entrepreneurs, which by mm-hmm. the way is a, a horrible way to live when you compare yourself to others in terms of yeah. financial success. Yeah. It was brutal, man. It, it almost cost me my marriage and my family just because I was chasing, I was chasing money mm-hmm. and it was just, it just wasn't, it wasn't healthy to me. And so he, his story kind of put a lot of things in perspective for me. Mm-hmm. And I've been on this, I've been on this journey too. I'm kind of a recovering a-hole to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> You know, I would, yeah. I, and I've told I'm the glad story. Glad you're in recovery. <laughs> yes, I'm. I was so glad. Yeah, I'm gonna, my, my I'm gonna need that number from you. <laughs> yeah, you know, Definitely. when you're an entre- when you're an entrepreneur, you know, you never you never leave your job, right? Like I remember mm-hmm. hearing a story that Mark Cuban said. You know, hey, my players go to practice two hours a day. We have three games a week. I own this team twenty four seven. I got to worry about everything. I never get a chance to rest. And that's when you become an entrepreneur, one thing that I think you really need to work on is when you're at home, you're at home, you need to be present at home and you're not someplace else. And when you're at work, you're at work. Your mind's not somewhere else. That's a big challenge. And it, it almost cost me. Um, I was an angry guy and I was wearing masks all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'd wear a mask, I'd go to work. I'd come home, I'd wear another mask. I'd go to an event, I'd wear another mask. And it just was exhausting not being myself because mm-hmm. you're always kind of going, okay, well, I got, who, who, you know, how do I show up at this event? And I mm-hmm. wasn't showing up authentically. Yeah. Um, it was exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Which, exhausting. which is, which is uh, to me very important to, to highlight for, for anybody, you know, uh, listening to this at some point, um, you know, especially for veterans, you know, we, we they spent a, enough time uh, away from home. And if you're going to get into this realm, you know, having that one-on-one talk with your spouse that, you know, hey, mm. I know that I've come from this, you know, I spent time overseas and uh, now I'm going into this realm where I'm going to have to delve even more into it and ensure that you guys are on the on the same playing field uh, as far as that goes. Um, so, I, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. So, yeah, can so, I can I add, can I add to that? Because you, yes, you made such a critical point that most people overlook. And so I've had. I stopped counting. I think I've had 17 or 1800 one-on-one conversations with people trying to figure out what's next, you know, mm-hmm. currently in the military out. And, you know, I'll say, what, what are your career look in the military? Oh, I had seven deployments. I was gone for a total of, you know, four years and three months and this and that. And I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do? And he said, well, I want, I might take this consulting job for whatever the big consulting firms. And, you know, I get to travel the world and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm like, you haven't been with your family for all these years, mm-hmm. right? You've had two cell phones on you forever and you're just at the beck and call. And now you want to, you know, take a job and travel and not be with your family. I said, what conversation are you avoiding at home? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then they look at me and they go, oh, sir, I'm not avoiding any conversations. I'm like, BS, because I know the times in my life when I was busy, I created work and created busyness. So I would avoid conversations at home. Mm-hmm. And then after prodding them a little bit, they'd be like, oh, okay, yes, sir. You know, things, things aren't that great at home. And, you know, she just doesn't understand where I'm coming from and what I want to do. And I have these dreams and I'm not sure she's on the path. And she's had this certainty with my career in terms of financial and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, you need to take care of that. Mm-hmm. So what you said is really important. 
Oh, yes, sir. Authentic, authentic, being authentic starts in the home. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, you know, your, your spouse, and, and we're just kind of talking about, you know, potentially female spouses. Most of the spouses are female and what the percentage is. And if it's a male, mm-hmm. you have that conversation. Yeah. Like she, she's worried about you, the family. She's taking care of the family. She's transitioned every two years from Bragg to Hood to Benning to, right? And so mm-hmm. she's been kind of following her soldier around. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, there's that, this communication gap. And believe me, communication is tough with your spouse regardless. Mm-hmm. But you add in the military aspect of it, and it compounds it. So what you said is really important. And I, I apologize for piling on, but that's you, you oh, make no, a very I, good point. No, I mean, I, I you know, I 100% agree. Um, you know, uh, having that support at home, uh, you know, whether that's in the military, outside the military, is, is you know, the bedrock of, of any, uh, you know, successful individual. Um, so I think that that definitely needs to be highlighted. And I believe I remember when you guys came to speak to us, you guys actually had like a breakout session for mm-hmm. spouses, correct? Nice. Uh, what would, what I guess, what would that conversation have entailed? Yeah, so... Well, one, one thing is, is the spouses, again, this is, I'm not speaking for all of them. I'm speaking for mm-hmm. um, a good percentage of them. The soldier comes home and doesn't want to talk about work, right? And they don't want to talk mm-hmm. about transition. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them want to get out of the military. Some, they're, it's questionable. And so those breakout sessions kind of consist of, okay, one is how can you support your soldier, right? What can you do to help with this transition? Mm-hmm. Like I've talked to so many soldiers and they're like, sir, it's like, I know LinkedIn's the way to communicate and get a job, but I don't want to sit on LinkedIn all day. Mm-hmm. That is like the last thing I want to do, mm-hmm. right? I'd rather be doing something else, outdoors, building something, this. And I'm like, well, could your spouse help you, right? Can she jump on your account, help you, you know, reorganize your content, reach out to potential employers and say, hey, I'm Ian, um, I'm getting out of, you know, the army and I saw that you got out of the army in 2016 and landed at this great company. Do you have 15 minutes so I can chat with you to see how you made your transition a success? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're on the other end of that, that message, you're going to go, Oh, someone wants to see how I'm successful. Right. They're going to, yeah. everyone wants play, to talk about how great ego they are. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you don't even have to be there. Like your spouse yeah. can do that. And then, mm-hmm. and then you you come home and you go, Hey, I got you five interviews with all these different companies, all you gotta do is show up and be your, be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And then you have that conversation. At the end of the conversation, they go, listen, don't send your resume to the clowns at HR. They don't understand you. They're not gonna mm-hmm. understand your resume. Send your resume to me. Let me walk it down to HR. Mm-hmm. That's how you get jobs. Mm-hmm. Because most jobs aren't posted. Yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. Very true. So, so a spouse is in- integral, it, it really integral in the part. And plus you gotta communicate with your spouse. And there are also things that we talk to spouses about how they can set up a virtual company. They can set up a virtual business. They can set up an Amazon business. And so we talk to them about becoming an entrepreneur as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you bring the family together towards a common goal and it's a lot more successful that way. Yeah, exactly. And we're kind of the excuse, Sammy, as, you know, being um, a reason for that communication. Sure. Right? Because sometimes there's certain things I don't want to talk to my wife about. Right. <laughs> we all have married, those. Right. And, 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 and this summer I'll be married 30 years. And there are still things I don't want to talk to my wife about. 
Well, I congratulations just on the 30 some years. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to the same woman, I have to say. Oh, hey, that's even Vegas. better. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so if we, if we say here, here, here's some things you guys can talk about, we're kind of the excuse to sit down and have that honest conversation. Which is awesome. Cause a lot of times you need that excuse. Um, you're not sure how to broach, as you say, certain subjects with your spouse. So if you can come together in a common, that's really neat that you bring them together that way to uh, accomplish that, that goal. Yeah. So then there is no division later on. Well, you're spending all your nights here or you're doing this instead of this with the kids. And it's, it's really good to be on the same page at the beginning. That's very important. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause that's your, that's your initial tribe, right? You know, sure. you know Ian talked about it in the beginning with COVID it was 2020 was not a great year for veterans right? Yeah, Isolation, all these things. It was not a good year. I mean, I don't want to argue, should we have shut down? Should we not? But I think this isolation, we're going to look back and go, not the right move. Not has, the right move. Has the, uh, and I'm not, not trying to get political or anything, but has the political climate um, affected what you do at all? Or has it uh, remained the same, I guess? Well, the whole COVID situation, we can't go to bases anymore. And, gotcha. you know, Ian got to experience, there's nothing like being face-to-face -face with people. Like we wouldn't be connecting right now, potentially, if this was a virtual conversation, you know, a ver initial virtual conversation. So I, I don't mind being online and doing the virtual stuff because we do small rooms, 15, 20. We do little breakout sessions. We have coaches. But there's nothing like getting in a room. And we had a couple hundred Ian people in that room mm -hmm. and had some yeah. great speakers um, who got real really quick. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And there's yeah. nothing like that content. And when you take 20 spouses and you put them in a separate room and they and they feel like they're being heard and listened to in person, there's nothing like that. So I can't personally can't wait to get back to in-person workshops. You just find it mu that much more effective to meet in person. Oh, huge. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you get that energy and you get that connection and, and the speakers get to go, wow, you know, I get to see these people and it's it's just different. I mean, I don't know what, what your what your guys' opinion is, but sitting in front of a computer on a Zoom call or whatever we're doing all day is just to me, he's not doing it. I yeah. can tell you, ta Taekwondo definitely loses something in the translation. For exactly. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I I agree. Um, you know, having four hundred people in there uh, in in one room at the same time, uh, and, and you know, it really to me, uh, it, I, I'm I'm guessing from a from a standpoint of the speakers uh that it really energizes them and 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 passionates them to to want to really get their message across voice you're sitting at your house you're you know you're just talking to the, the people on the other side of the you know the t the the computer or whatever um you know there is something you know i've, I've given plenty of public speakings you know in in the difference between like me doing this i'm a lot more comfortable than when, <laughs> when i'm in a crowd of people giving a you know impassionate speech about you know what whatever right because uh, I'm a lot more nervous, uh, but that's because I'm so passionate about whatever it is I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And and you know when, when you get a room of, I don't care if it's twelve people or four hundred people, and you know like we kind of separated the rooms out. Like who's interested in being an entrepreneur, who's interested in real estate, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden you go, oh dude, I didn't know you were interested, right? And you've been working together for mm -hmm. however many years in the same unit or group or brigade. You know those connections alone, um, I think are are really important and. I can't think of a successful business that's a single person, right? Yeah. All these businesses start with partnerships mm -hmm. and doing stuff. Like I have very, very few unique abilities. Like if you saw my transcripts in high school, 
I had a <laughs> 1.8 GPA my senior year uh, high school. I, I couldn't play sports. That. Yes, I can. I couldn't play that. sports, and so I, I need really smart people around me because uh, you know I, now I'm a I'm a learner, right? I I don't rely on formal education, but I need re- I I can't cross the finish line. Like I come up with a million ideas, nine hundred and ninety nine thousand of them are absolute horrible, sucky ideas. Mm-hmm. The few that I do have that are decent ideas, I need people to make them real. Mm-hmm. And if you become an entrepreneur, you need to surround yourself with people who can make your ideas real. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to be a hobby. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, you made an excellent point there. Uh, you know, with you guys, how you guys structured it, I thought was great. You know, you guys, you guys gave the, the speeches, and you know, this is who I am, this is what I've done, uh, et cetera. And then you guys broke everybody out. Like, you know, people want to go uh, to business, uh, go on this side, and people want to be entrepreneurs. And like you said, it really broke down to me, uh, you know, individuals, because, you know, I look at some people, I'm like, oh, man, I never thought that you would have, you know, wanted to start your own gym or, you know, whatever. And, and even more, it, it kind of multiplies, like you said, your, your idea, you know, when, when you're one motivated about something and two, you, you understand that someone else may be wanting to go into the same idea, you know, and then you, you have that as well as other people that you've served with that have the same idea and it just grows into something more, you know, because again, like what we talked about earlier, the, the camaraderie piece is like the biggest thing that I've ever seen in the military, the, the people that I've served with, the people that I went downrange with, uh, you know, they're lifelong friends, you know, no matter what situation I found myself in, whether it was in flight school or being in Afghanistan or, uh, you know, just being in regular units, like we were all, uh, really unified by whatever situation we found ourselves in, you know, whatever, whatever order came down from the boss and you're like, man, I really don't want to do this, but we're going to do it together. And, and we're going to, we're going to get through it. Um, you know, this, I, something like that, I think would speak more to veterans as well as like, okay, like this is just our next mission. Like we're going to go at this together and this is, you know, our orders from the boss or whatever. And it's going to, it's going to stink for a few, for, for a little while, but we're passionate about what we want to do and we're doing it together. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. And and this is where I've talked to so many veterans who are like, I'm like, hey, how did you get to be the founder of Grunt Style Clothing? You know, mm-hmm. we've had we've had Daniel come speak for us a whole bunch of times. And, you know, we went and got that job and it sucked. And he's like, you know, he told his wife, he goes, I want to sell T-shirts. She's like, okay, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to make some fun T-shirts and I'm going to go in my car and go to all these bases and t- sell T-shirts. She's like, all right. Right. She had a little faith in him. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, 1200 bucks worth of shirts, if I remember correctly, and he's running around. He's like, if I don't sell these, I'm done. I'm going to do something else. And he figured it out and built a huge brand, mm-hmm. right? Everyone knows Grunt Style. Yep. And what he found was that when he worked at a job, the guy to his left and the guy to his right and, and front and behind weren't, weren't veterans per se and didn't have the commitment, the passion, the mission the drive to do it right they're cleaning their desk up at 4 30 getting ready to go home at five they're mm-hmm. showing up yeah. late to meetings right their standards are so low they're taking mm-hmm. credit for everyone's work that's civilian life so whoever was listening to this thing when yeah. you get out the bar is so low <laughs> and i'm a civilian the bar is so low mm-hmm. like if you just tell an employer Hey, listen, I may not know how to work this tech or a piece of equipment of this, but I will come and I'll work for free for a week or two weeks until Mm -hmm. I learn how to do it. But guess what? I'm going to show up on time. I've showed up on time for six years, four years, 14 years, 22 years. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to leave until I get the job done. I'm going to work well with others. I worked well 
with very few resources overseas in Iraq, Afghanistan, and all these other deployments. They never give you all you need, right? You always got to be resourceful. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to work well with teams that I don't know. You know, I had to work with other countries, right? So if you want someone who's going to show up on time and get the work done and not worry about who gets credit because we're all on the same mission of helping this company, they're mm -hmm. going to look at you like, holy cow, where have you been? Mm -hmm. yeah. No one says that in an interview. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, to Grunt Style and then, uh, you know, also the Black Rifle Coffee Company. Um, yeah. I, I had a chance to listen to to that gentleman on Joe Rogan's podcast. And, uh, yeah, I found that one interesting how he came to this idea. He just loves coffee, you know, and I, you know, I, I like coffee along with everybody else. But I mean, this guy had a passion for it. Like he was a, a, a sommelier for, <laughs> for coffee. And, coffee you know, connoisseur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, you know, the, the, the options are out there, you know, it's just... I, I guess so. You know, you take someone like like I believe his name is Evan, uh, who started Black Rifle Coffee Company. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if he had come to you and was like, "Hey, I want to start a coffee company," you know, it, you know, knowing that there's Starbucks out there and that there's Green Mountain and all these various different coffee companies out there that are competition. Uh, I mean, what? I guess, what would your advice have been to him? I mean, would you have said that you know, well, there's a lot out there, but go for it. Yeah, so I got to meet those guys early, early on when they had their offices in Salt Lake City. I was driving through Salt Lake. I contacted them. I went in there. It felt like I was in a military unit with a whole <laughs> bunch of guys with facial hair. Yeah, Matt Best Big is hilarious. beards. Yeah. yeah, those guys. Those guys are, are hilarious. They're hilarious. Yeah. I got to sit in their office, and um, I was referred to them by a few people. But you know, my advice to them would be, or to anybody starting off, you've got the Starbucks of the world's. Mm -hmm. And you've got that. I mean, Black Rifle has gone from when I met them, they were doing 800,000 in sales, mm -hmm. whatever a million, which is, which is tremendous now to what 50, 60, 80 million oh, in yeah, sales. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you either go the Starbucks Walmart route, right? Where you just do a ton of quantity mm -hmm. or you go when Black Rifle started the niche route. Mm -hmm. Anywhere in the middle is Death Valley. Ah, so it's an right? all or it's an all or nothing kind of thing. In, in my or opinion, all, all or little. It sounds or like. all or well, little. I'm sorry. To niche, to niche it down. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. so, Black Rifle Coffee is not the cheapest coffee out there. Mm -hmm. I love their coffee. They they sponsored our academy. We got their coffee. It's incredible. I can mm -hmm. get cheaper coffee than Black Rifle, but I sure. don't. Because right? it's quality coffee. Right. You can go to Walmart and buy something made in China for four dollars, but you get it American made, right? High quality, handmade, whatever, and mm -hmm. it's fourteen dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But if you try to be both. That's where you get in trouble. Gotcha. So that's my advice to people. It's like, man, you need to find a niche. Like you need to find rabid veterans who just worship their coffee. Like they go to bed at night thinking, I cannot wait to wake up because I want coffee. <laughs> right? I've done that. Am yeah. I the only one that's done that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love coffee. Uh, like I said, I love coffee as well, but, um, you know, I'm one of those weird non-coffee drinkers. Okay. So I'll just, uh, yeah. I'll just be well, quiet here. I do, yeah. I do. I do my super greens in the morning. I get like filled with B vitamins and you know, I'm, but I do drink coffee. Don't get me wrong. Uh, especially yeah. on deployments, but I was, I will say, uh, on deployment, you know, we had the Keurig and you know, it was, mm -hmm. you know, good. But then when we did like a French press and like got the ah. quality coffee, it was like a whole new level of like ready to go. You know, there so you go. I can only imagine what that, that, that does. Um, so, so what was the first company you ever started? Oh gosh. 
So I'll just go back really quick. So high school was not a good student. I just could not sit in the classroom. I just, I just love playing sports. Um, couldn't get into college because my grades weren't good, obviously. I, I mentioned that. Went to mm-hmm. junior college, played sports. I got into college. I got into a school called Ball State University in Muncie, yep. Indiana. Mm-hmm. Walked on and played D1 sports. Was one of the only walk-ons. Um, so very proud of that. And they got was that, multiple Was that injury. football that you played? or No, I actually, I actually walked on the tennis team. Okay. And then okay. Um, they were a top 25 team, and um, I, I made the team there. Nice. And then I got injured – uh, and tennis. And then I basically walked on the basketball team and ended up being a, a practice player slash manager. And that was when Rick Majerus was there. They ended up going to the sweet 16. I never got a uniform. I never played. So I just love being around athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, athletes were my military tribe. Mm-hmm. Right. So then my junior year of college, uh, I was dating a girl and I got her pregnant because that's just what you do when you're in college and you have no money (laughs) is you get her girl pregnant. Now, that's my wife now of 30 Ah, years. There you go. And um, you don't just get any girl pregnant. You get the oldest of eight kids in the most religious family in the planet girl pregnant. Mm. You know, they went to they went to mass every day. I'm like, church is open on Tuesdays. And my wife's like, yeah, it's open on Tuesdays. I'm like, I thought it was open Christmas and Easter. Like, that's how I went to church as a kid. So um, it was a rough go of it. Got a 100% sales job selling insurance. That sucked. Uh, I delivered newspapers at night. I had, I had multiple jobs. And then selling life insurance was hard, but health insurance was an easier conversation. So I started in health insurance brokerage company. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, like I remember going to my first appointment and this business owner goes, Hey, my wife wants to know, um, are her annual OBGYN visits covered? I'm 23 years old. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't know, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. I'm like, my wife has never talked to me about this kind of stuff. Oh, man. Right? And he goes, oh, well, if those aren't covered, I can't get the insurance. I'm like, do you have a phone? And he's like, yeah. So I said, let me call the insurance company. I'm going to get the answer for you. I don't know the answer. And he must have gotcha. saw something in me like, hey, this kid's honest right? He's going to get the answer for him. And he's like, I'll give you the business. Right. But he goes, wow, you got to learn how to do this. So I started getting companies by literally going door to door in Vegas. I grew up in Chicago, but I ended up in Vegas. Um, So I started that company. And then every few years I got bored, then I started a medical billing company. Then I started doing real estate developing, Um, started the foundation. Uh, Now I own uh, part of a whole bunch of subway stores. We have over 40 subway stores, you know, just kind of I just love being an entrepreneur and working with people. And so I had a tech company. I sold it. Thank God. Um, I didn't even break even on the deal. That's a whole other story. But I sold the patents and the IP December of 2019. Okay. And again, didn't even break even on the company, but it was like nice to get some money back. Oh, did we lose him? Oh, he... He gone. He'll be back. (laughs) So he said it wasn't... So Ian's been having some computer issues recently. Um, I guess there's something wrong with his power supply, but he just texted me and said that his internet went out, so he's going to try to get that back and going. But okay, otherwise we're so still... you guys still recording or should yeah. we keep going? Or... Yeah, we can keep going. We're still recording. We're all yeah. good. Yeah. So tell me your tell me your story, Sam. Let's start with you. Oh, so I Ian and I both grew up in Florida, um, and uh, I stayed there. He joined the military. I did all right through school, carried a 4.0, got a degree in secondary education, Mm. um, got done with school and was kind of like, um, 
yeah, I don't want to teach. So <laughs> I ended up working at a, at a local radio station in the marketing department. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and then this guy came along from Fairbanks, Alaska and uh, caught my eye. We got married and uh, here I am. So wow. Um, uh, we've got, uh, we got some munchkins, so we, I stay home and take care of them. And the schooling degree is coming in handy now, you know, with homeschooling and things. But, um, I was just kind of looking for an outlet, um, as far as, I mean, I, I, I get bored. I mean, I know that sounds terrible. I love my kids. I love my family. They keep me busy, but then there's still that side of me that likes to do something else, I guess you would say. So, um, just trying to find something else to do. And when Ian kind of brought this up, I was like, absolutely. I said, I don't know if I'll be any good at it, but uh, I'd like to try. So <laughs> we're yeah. going to do it. No, no, that's so, so from Florida to Alaska, I mean, yes, you can't get any polar opposites. Yeah. No. I mean, from the no. beaches to the banks, right? And it was, I'll tell you, I hated it at first. Absolutely hated every second of being here. Um, so much so that after, Three and a half, four years here in, in Fairbanks, we decided, um, my husband said, all right, you know, I give up. Let's go back to Florida and we'll give it a whirl. He made it 11 months. Um, and same thing with me. I got back down there and I'm like, there's people everywhere. And uh, mm. I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. The traffic and all the time you waste sitting on the highway and, you know, this and that. So um, without much prodding, he uh, packed us all back up and we moved back up here and just... Um, I think it's been about two, 11 years now, 12 years possibly we've been here. And uh, I, just, I love it. I love it. I've gotten really used to the outdoors and the cold isn't so hot, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've been wanting to get up to Alaska forever. So I will, um, my wife and I have just been itching to go. Uh, you should. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard nothing but amazing th people. People are amazing. And we want to see the Northern Lights, right? Yep. And yep. I don't want to have, to have to travel all the way to Norway, right? To yeah, do that. no, no, no reason to do that. We've got, yeah, to, you know, yeah. Um, well, Jack, what's out. your what's your story, Jack? So I'm. Oh, there's Ian. I'm back. Go ahead, finish. Sorry, uh, my internet. My wife was streaming something for. Oh, Mr. Phil, since uh, I last saw you, I became a dad. So. Oh, congratulations! Um, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I have a son now. Um, and so she was streaming, uh, you know, little kids' videos for him. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> it that is, is important. Though. I yeah, apologize. I apologize. No problem. But go ahead, Jack, happened. real quick. Jack, tell me your, real quick your story. And, and then I want to get back to you, Sammy, at some point. But we can do it offline. But, Jack, what's your story? Sure. So um, I'm an Army brat. My dad uh, joined the Army shortly after I was born. I have a sister who's a year older than me and, like yourself, got – um, my mom pregnant in college, <laughs> but, um, they ended up, uh, sticking together for a while. They recently split, but anyways, I've lived all over the country from Colorado, Alabama, New York, Georgia. I'm now in Texas going to school at UT, um, mm. for mechanical engineering. I want to do something in the automotive field. I have no mm. idea what. But, um, just, I'm just going to see where my degree takes me, I guess. I don't really have any set plans as far as where I want to live or what exact career path I want to go down, but I at least have a general interest and passion in something. So mm. 
At a, at so what is the automotive industry going to look like five years from now, Jack? Ugh. Great question. I'll be electric. Electric. Probably not within five years. I would, I would bet you would not see a completely electronic infrastructure system until at least 15 years from now. Um, right. Just because right there's no death of the oil industry in sight. Um, that's its own complicated animal. Um, I mean, what are you going to do with gas stations after everything's gone electric? How are those gas stations going to be, you know, revitalized to have the appropriate infrastructure to support electric vehicles? Are electric vehicles going to become automated? Are you still going to have actual human drivers? There's a lot of questions to be asked with how making electric powered vehicles is going to be made viable because the main problem now is that battery technology is it's there's a lot of research and there's been a lot of developments made to make electric cars be more sustainable and have farther ranges so like most electric cars from five years ago could only go maybe like a maximum of 200 miles on a charge whereas now you're seeing cars that can almost go 400 miles um, and there's also several other advantages with electric cars like there's a lot less moving parts they're generally easier to service but on the other end batteries start losing efficiency after a couple years and those have to be replaced and that's expensive and batteries have to be made with also non-renewable resources like lithium so there's a lot of yeah things to address with yeah understanding but you're you're a young like. you're a young smart kid i can't spell mechanical engineering honestly <laughs> i don't even know if i can spell it but this is a this is a good point of conversation for those looking at you know potential careers i had a conversation mm -hmm. with my son not long in an hour ago he's 25 years old and he does some great content military times just wrote him up he hires um he employs i think it's 16 military spouses i'm really proud of oh, him wow. with some content writing and we just had this conversation. We're like, I'm like, dude, there ain't going to be content writers, right? It's all going to be AI. Yeah. Like, you know, right now, you wow. know, you got guys like Elon Musk who, mm -hmm. you know, he wants to live on Mars before he's gone. Yeah. Like, and if there's a, someone that can do it, It'll Elon Musk is going to figure it out, yeah. right? And so, you know, 11 million truck drivers are going to be out of work in the next however many years. So don't underestimate the fact that they're going to worry about the gas station owner and how they're going to put electrical plants because they're just going to figure out a way to substitute a battery. You go in, they'll change out a battery, and you'll go right. in. And then, you know, my concern is where are we going to put all these batteries, right, for the right. environment? It's going yeah. to be it's going to be a problem. So so everyone really needs to think about, you know, and there's conversations now about you know they just raised the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, and four yeah. million people are going to be out of work because of that. So yeah. You know, and universal basic income is now talking about where everyone's just going to get $2,000 a month and that'll cover it. We'll be eating manufactured food and yeah. all this kind of stuff. That stuff is, uh, scares my, you know, scares my kids. Yeah. You know, I'm scared for my yeah. kids, right? What mm -hmm. is it going to, what is it going to look like for them? But veterans need to start thinking about these conversations. Now, the military has created almost every industry we're talking about right now, right? Mm -hmm. The internet. Right, I know politicians have taken credit for the internet. Uh, they Al didn't Gore do it. Did that one. <laughs> yeah, this is the military, right? Look at drones. Look at a lot of AIs going on in the military. 
you know, there's mm. optics, all these type of things. Proper Oculus. distribution of uh, hazardous waste material. GPS. All of it. Yeah. Right. GPS. So yeah. I, I can't tell you how many veterans that have just figured out how to solve a problem when they were in the military. And then when they got out, they took that and they solved the problem for the entire industry. And they're doing a hundred million dollars a year worth of business. Wow. Mm -hmm. Getting government contracts. You know, I'm mm -hmm. Ian, right? You, you I know do. These guys. They stop, they stop by my office all the time and <laughs> try to convince me to go with them. I was like, ah, yeah. Illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, funny story yeah. about Jack though, before we, we get back to recording. So the way Jack and I know each other, <laughs> as, as he said, his dad, uh, you know, joined the army, became a pilot like myself. Uh, so I don't know if you know this. So I'm I'm, a, I'm actually I'm full, I'm dual rated uh, rotary wing and fixed wing in the army. Mm. Uh, so I actually have been flying airplanes for the last eight years in the army doing intelligence gathering. And so um, at one of my units, uh, this is where I met Jack's dad. And uh, I was single at the time as a single captain working in the battalion S4 shop, the logistics shop. He comes kicking my door in one day. He's like, "You're right, sing." He's like, "You're single, right, sir?" I was like. Yeah. He's like, you want to meet my niece? He's like, sure. And, you know, three years, four years later, now I'm married to his niece. And oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> that's how I met Jack. You know? That's so, crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty funny. And, you know, now we have a, a kid together and it's been funny. And, you know, uh, Matt curses the day that he uh, introduced us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is in, you know, you can look back and, and connect the dots looking back, right? Ian, like how you met your wife. Like, mm -hmm. What are the odds of mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. You know, when, when yep. you're looking for a good employment opportunity or a good business opportunity, you just gotta, you gotta set the goal, right? You almost gotta write the headline now, right? I want to meet somebody yeah. who is adventurous like me, um, who likes to be outdoors, who also likes to have time for themselves, who, you know, wants a family. And then you're basically telling God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, like, hey, bring this into my life, right? A goal is nothing more than telling your brain what to look for. Mm -hmm. That is it, Yeah. right? And mm -hmm. so like when you're that. looking for a job and a career, uh, and if you guys started recording yet or not on this or no? Uh, you should, we probably should be. This is good content, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he stopped recording. No, honestly. yeah, we, we, we've... We've been the gone the whole time. Oh, good. Oh, we've been recording this, this whole time? The, yeah. This will be on oh, the yeah. blooper reel. This is we good. Talking, okay. <laughs> we were talking about you the whole time. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, Hopefully um, my sister didn't tell you any you know, stories of us growing oh, up. Oh, you don't even want to know. Oh, I days in Florida. The sh the sh oh, yeah. The days in Florida and the old- The shenanigans. The old Baptist church. <laughs> yeah. That was your- I don't want to get into it now, but um, okay, so, um, so when you're talking about- you know, I've had a lot of people and they're like, go, oh, you know, sir, there's so many different opportunities out there. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, all right, get out a sheet, sheet of paper. And what does your perfect day look like? What time do you wake up? Where do you wake up? Are you traveling? Do you get to do your morning routine? Do you get to hang out with your kids if you have kids? Do you get to hang out with your wife? Do you work remote? Do you work with a team you like? What time do you have to go? What's your commute look like? And I said, get down to the absolute detail of what side you get out of the bed <laughs> to whether you have your green juice or you just got that coffee drip coffee. already waiting for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you take it in your mug and you go, when you start planning out your day, you're literally just telling your mind to look for opportunities that coincide with, now you're not going to get everything on your list, but when you start doing that, that's how you pick. Like we did an event in DC 
and it was a day before a job fair. And we got these guys ready. We had 200 soldiers in a room and we got them ready for the job fair. Mm-hmm. We're like, go home tonight, do your research. Here's a list of all the people that are going to be at the job fair. Do your research because that's what companies like to see. Mm-hmm. We helped them with their resumes that day. We helped them with everything. The lady who ran the job fair called me two days later. She goes, oh my gosh, we've never seen a group of people more prepared than we did today. What did you guys do? Can you show up to all of our expos before? And one guy called me and he says, sir, he goes, I got a, I got a really bad problem. I'm like, what happened? He goes, well, it was your event and, you know, and the job fair. And I'm like, oh gosh, what did we do? Right. You're always thinking what happened? Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, I think I have six job offers. from the job fair. I don't know how to choose. And so we went through this perfect day exercise and about five minutes into the thing, he goes, I'm done. I know exactly what I'm taking. Nice. I'm there. I know what I want. Mm -hmm. And that is a good exercise to go through. And we actually have that on our, on our website. We'll have to make it more present. Um, And I'll be happy to get it to you. I don't know if you guys have show notes, but it's just a great exercise to see what your perfect day looks like. Mm Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean that's a that's a good problem to have is uh, I guess too many uh, job opportunities. Yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're exiting out of the military, um, that's that's awesome. Um, well, I'm I'm out of questions. If anybody else has any, we've been going for almost an hour now. I guess my my only question would be: um, You've been married to the same lady for thirty years. Your kids are your kids all involved in entrepreneurship as well, or have they kind of taken separate pathways or? Yes. Yep. Yep. So my oldest son, uh, he'll be 29 tomorrow. He started off as an entrepreneur. He had, uh, he had a little rough go of it. My wife doesn't like talking about it, but he's talked publicly about it. You know, he's a good athlete in school, got injured and then got hooked on, um, Percocets and Lortab and all that kind of stuff and ended up getting, getting treatment. He's been, he's been an incredible kid. He's been sober for whatever it is now, 10 years. Um, and so he had a podcast. He had the number one new podcast on iTunes. You know, oh, he was wow. 21 years old. This was about eight years ago. And he wrote a couple books and he was really entrepreneurial. And then, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work being an entrepreneur. So he ended up getting a job um, at a bank. And now he worked his way up to he's, he's a private bank officer, which is the kind of the top tier of the bank. So it's a little bit entrepreneurial within the bank, but it's definitely sure. a, a corporate job. My daughter is a first grade school, t- school teacher. Nice. Um, she went to UCLA. All my kids picked the most expensive colleges to go to on the planet. And then you got to was, pay for it. Which was great. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and so she went to UCLA and then she went to one of my events and she said, Dad, I know what I want to be. I want to be a school teacher. And I'm like, you've always wanted to be, I knew you always want to be a school teacher as well. Hearing these guys and these women, and it's like, I'll be a school teacher. So I'm like, okay, great. Does UCLA have a teaching program? She said, no. I'm like, whoops. Well, that's a lot of out of state money down. So she's a school teacher now, an assistant, and she's getting her master's this year to be a, a first grade official teacher. And then my youngest son um, became the entrepreneur. He's the one that's got, I think he's got 16 employees. They're not all full time. And he's writing content. Like I said, he was just written up in the Military Times. Um, he's got the, the, he was the least person I thought that would be the most, you know, the most entrepreneurial. But yeah, you know, with kids, you guys all have young kids. Um, they kind of see what we do more than hear what we tell them to do. Yeah. Uh, they <laughs> really pick up sometimes. on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they really do. And it took me a long time to break some of the patterns of, of my dad. Um, just an angry, he was an angry entrepreneur. And so I just, you know, I grew up saying, I never want to be like my dad. I never want to be like my dad. And then all of a sudden I grew up and guess what? I was just like my dad. Yeah. And so it took me a long time to rewire all that. Um, I love my dad to death. He's gone now, but, uh, and he grew up as he got older, he got more soft and more sensitive. And he realized that money and power and being an entrepreneur at the end of the day, that's not all it, right? We can, we can right. go down the list of all these very successful multi-billionaires that are jumping out of buildings and killing themselves right? because there's nothing there. Um, you know, you need that human connection. So yeah, my kids are all, now my kids are more friends, right? Now right. I can be kind of friends with them and do fun stuff. And, you know, a couple of them actually like to hang out with me, which is great. Right. Wow. I'm sure Jack, do you like to hang out with your dad, Jack? Uh, not right now. <laughs> Well, it, so so to be fair, his his father uh, lives in a different state now. Yeah, um, he does. So okay. it's, it's kind of hard for him to to be able to do that. Yeah, gotcha. Because he got stationed at a different at a different post. So gotcha, yeah. gotcha. All right, Jack. I'm sorry I asked you that question. <laughs> no, it's all Pick good. Pick up your phone deal. and FaceTime him. Don't text him. FaceTime him. <laughs> FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Social media handles and mm -hmm. tags. And then my, if you want to get a hold of me, it's just Phil, P-H-I-L at AmericanDreamU.org. I, I respond to my emails um, for a couple of years, if I'm mm -hmm. not correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We and have. had some follow-ups and we know, we're, very res we're very responsive and all of our content's free. I mean, you didn't pay any money for the event that you attended, did you? No, sir. Yeah. We did not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, but just because it's free, doesn't mean it's not good content. And I think that's where a lot of people come to our site and they're like, Oh, everything is free. It must not be that good. It's, I mean, you saw, you heard some of the speakers, right? You can't mm -hmm. get Tiger Woods, one of his coaches for probably not less than 5,000 bucks a day. I mm -hmm. wouldn't imagine. I don't know what he charges, but, um, so yeah, so I appreciate you having me and this is great. This is, um, to have this all set up and have a production team and competent people. Yeah. You know, you got an engineer in training running your engineering <laughs> stuff. You got yeah. a radio personality and marketing yeah. and and then just me. <laughs> and then you. Yeah. Right? And then this me. is what I'm saying. You yeah. just I got to I got to make Go sure ahead. that I put it out there. I do have 10 years left on my contract to any of my soon to be bosses. I intend on finishing out my time in the military. However, this is for people that are out or for my time whenever I do decide to get out. Just so I don't you know, disclaimer. just a disclaimer so that no one thinks that I'm trying to jump ship. <laughs> you know, I, so you uh, have 10 more years left in the army, huh? I do. Yes, sir. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're allowed uh, to do these kind of things, right? Uh, I believe I am. So long as I'm not like really, uh, bashing. yeah, I'm not being political. I'm not bashing anybody. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm putting content out there that is informative to individuals and, um, more or less just trying to get, um, people to, to, to think, to change their mind about things, you know, whether that's, you know, whatever job, like for this, whatever job they may find themselves in, if they, if they're a veteran and, and they want to, um, you know, change course, then this is, this is an opportunity or this is an avenue for them to approach, uh, to, to think about doing something else. And so, you know, for, for us, like, we're going to be talking to, you know, just a myriad of different people as far as like what their stance are on things and, you know, really just find out what we can find out it's more information for me. And then, you know, if we can bring other people along with us to, to uh, think about things a little bit more in depth uh, and not be so one-minded, then maybe the, 
the world would be a better place. Yeah, we got to get away from, you know, having disagreements is 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 okay, right? And having a little bit of confrontation is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, not acknowledging you that you exist because you don't believe what I believe mm-hmm. is what's happening right now. Yeah. Yes, sir. Each side of the aisle is not even acknowledging the other side. Like we don't exist or you mm-hmm. don't exist. And you can't have a conversation and move anything forward if you don't even believe the other person has any worth um, to him at all. And so, yeah, I, I think what you're doing is great. And having this open dialogue is great. And having mm-hmm. people that believe in different things, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm right down the middle on yep. a lot of different things. And the middle is wide open right now because everyone is so far to the right mm-hmm. and everyone is so far to the left. Yeah. The middle of the yeah. road is like, yeah, it's wide I open. I can keep my hands off the wheel, right? And yeah. I can go and I'm not going to hit anybody because everyone's on such far extremes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, for me, yeah, it's, just it's, take, it's, go sorry, ahead. good. Yeah, no, for go me, ahead, it's, a ba- it's a balancing act, you know, because obviously, like, you know, maybe some of the conversations will delve into something like that. Uh, you know, so I have to make sure that, you know, for one, I don't really tr- like overly advertise one way or another um, just based on where I find myself. Uh, but you know, just more or less to, to inform people having that, like you said, that one-on-one dialogue. So, you know, it's a lot easier to, to have something like this and people to understand your point of view vice, you know, getting into a Twitter war or, you know, a Facebook war, you know, cause everybody's tough behind a keyboard, but whenever you're actually staring somebody in the face, uh, and having to confront them about differing thought processes or ideologies or whatever, um, you know, it's a little bit different. And so, you know, having that calm rational conversation and you know you guys may never even come to a to a conclusion or you may not win over the other person but at least you can get that person to respect your opinion and that's the thing it's just having civil respect for each other and yeah. uh, i'm just kind of yes. you know just like just like we do you know uh in 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 my job in particular you know like we have people from variety of different backgrounds but you know we all we all you know raised our hand and sworn oath to the constitution to, to defend it and it doesn't matter um, you know, who we have in office, that's what we're going to, and, um, you know, if people could be more like that, uh, I think, you know, we would be in a much better place. Yeah. Yeah. And just respect each other and respect your neighbors and be compassionate. And, you know, there's a lot of people struggling right now, mm-hmm. both sides of the aisle. Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people struggling Absolutely. right now and they can't see their parents and there's so much fear and, you know, people are for the vaccine. They're against the vaccine. They're, you know, for the new president. I mean, man, just take care of your own self and your family and and your neighbors and your community, and then everything will be okay. Yeah, this, I'm a this. I'm a sucker for foreign policy, and and going back to that, you know, there are much bigger problems that I think we need to worry about, uh, yeah. both internally and externally uh, at this point, and and really kind of getting people to recognize, um, you know, China's on the rise. And they are coming hard and fast and they don't play by rules. And for to get people to realize that because they're so inundated with social media and, you know, being sponsored by some being an Instagram influencer or whatever, that all goes away if if somebody like that comes in and and infiltrates. And they're not doing it with with troops. They're not doing it with nuclear weapons. They're not doing it with ships. They're doing it economically and they're doing it through the Internet and they're doing it subversively. And it's quite effective. And to me, like I am extremely passionate about foreign policy. That's why I, I'm I'm getting my master's degree in in that subject. 
because I, I really want people to wake up to the realization that, you know, this, this divisiveness that is going on is implanted for one, I think, uh, through Russian state actors. Cause if you know the history behind Russia and how they have done this in Crimea and Georgia, it's, it's straight up out of their textbook that they put, they put non-state actors in there to stir up crap and, and immediately create divisiveness. And for people to not see that because they're so inundated with themselves, but also, you know, with real world things in being divided in America between, you know, whatever political side of the aisle you're on, these people are sitting back and they're just like, this is awesome. I couldn't have planned it better myself. Yeah. They, they really are. And and I we need people to wake up and to realize that there are external factors into this and we need to rally around each other and stop the bickering and come together and see this for what it, for what it really is. Um, it, it's, it's bothersome. It truly is. Yeah. And you know that I'm sure you've seen that documentary social dilemma, mm-hmm. right? Yes, you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of chatter going on right now. We, we, we don't have to get into it, but you know, a lot of people think I'm getting briefings from the DOD because I work with the military. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, no one's briefing me. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just not. And I think that like, you know, all these general officers I know are, you know, calling me going, Hey, you know, watch out for this. And so, you know, I, I, I text a trusted veteran, um, who was in a, you know, in the SF community. And I, I'm like, you know, w- what's, what's real, what's not real. And he's like, 98% of this stuff is BS 99. He goes, I'm not smart enough to figure out the 1%, but he goes, what I, what I am confident is it's Russia and China mm-hmm. putting the fear and stirring up crap on both sides of the aisle to get them more angry to get them more divisive and everything else and that you're exactly right you know they're not going to come over and drop an emp on us nope. they're just gonna they don't, they don't need to nope we're nope. imploding ourselves right now yep. they can they can sit back in in beijing and moscow on a computer and just launch attacks and people do it's called clickbait you know and, and and with the algorithms and stuff like that that are built into these systems as was on the social dilemma the social dilemma uh, you know, if you want to sit there and, and, and click and, and follow something about like, I, I don't know, whatever, it continues to get, to feed that narrative because yep. that's what the algorithm does. And these people know that. So they just continue to launch this stuff. Oh, you're interested in this. Here's some more clickbait to, yeah. to feed that anger and stoke that anger. And, and, and they're like, they're doing it from, from across, across the ocean and, and they don't have to do anything. They know that we'll self implode. They, they know Americans better than we think that they know, they know us. And, um, all you have to do is look at white papers that have been published by, you know, very reputable uh, companies out there that are talking about, you know, this is right out of when they when they went into Georgia, or right mm-hmm. right when, it, when they went into Crimea. You know, it's the same exact thing, um, yeah. and it's scary. It's scary to me. It, it truly is. And and what's even more scary is that the American people don't see it. They don't right. see it, and they don't care to see it. And that's but do what, they even? But they but do they even do they even want to see it? Right. I mean, well, I mean, it, it probably not. Instances? Not yeah. at this. To me, not at this point. Not until it directly affects them and their livelihood. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. you know that that's been that's been America's mo well, for years. That that's been America. Well, I mean, if, you think, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, but if COVID doesn't catch their attention, because that is a direct effect on their livelihood. It, well, I mean, but that's why we're seeing the the divisiveness and the response that we're seeing, right? Because it is affecting some people's lives. But, you know, going back to it, you know, if, if China and Russia aren't like directly affecting them, it's just like in World War II. Germany and, and Japan and Italy weren't directly affecting the United States. World War I, sure. same thing. They, they weren't. And so until, uh, you know, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor it, it yeah. became real. 
it's the same thing going on in the Middle East. I'm, I'm reading a, a book right now called The Surprise Kill Vanish, uh, written by a woman named Annie Jacobson. And she's a phenomenal book. I can't, I can't put it down. Uh, and so um, it's about the CIA's clandestine services. And uh, I'm in a chapter right now where they're talking about uh, Osama bin Laden and, you know, how we had guys that were watching him. And, you know, people were briefed at high echelons about this. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it doesn't matter to us right now because he's not directly affecting us. Until it affects us and our direct interests, it, it 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 doesn't bother us. And I think that that's why, you know, it's been a, you know, 20 years of war is a long time. But, you know, we've been over there for them to come come to us and fight us. And they, they haven't been coming over here. Um, right. Because we'd rather them come towards us than, than them come here. Because, you know, and, and, and that has in some ways made people insulary and and they're like okay i'm protected like i don't have to worry about anything um yeah i, I and i remember i remember i came home on r and r <clears throat> from r and r as in the detroit airport and uh i was coming back i just you know on this long flight from kuwait and uh you know i was in the detroit airport and you know there's a passerby that was like you know where you're coming from i was like afghanistan and they're like we still have people over there and i was like yeah you know it's you know, a couple of people just gotten blown up. Some U.S. troops had just gotten blown up uh, not too long before I, I left. And, uh, you know, to me, that was a huge wake up call. You know, these people are just going by their everyday lives. And 18 hours ago, I was in a foreign country getting, getting you know, rockets shot at us. And, you know, I didn't have as bad of experience as most uh, veterans. I, I will say that, I've, you know, that's <laughs> pretty comfortable. Uh, but um, still, the reality is there that, um, you know, it, it's it's easily forgotten when it's when it's across the ocean and it's not right in front and yeah. making that a real thing. And, you know, even going back to the, the car thing, are things going to be electric? Yeah. Okay. Well, how do we have resources? How are we going to get that? If we're going to move to this, what's your logistical support? Well, I mean, China is already ahead of us in that aspect. They have tons of lithium, not only in China, but they're also making deals with the Afghan government to sit there and mine it. Mm -hmm. Whereas we've been over there for 20 years and we're not mining anything, at least as far as I know, we're, we're uh, so why, why aren't we, uh, why, you know, how are we going to move forward if these people subversively are undermining us at every turn? Yeah. So I have, I have two thoughts for you. And well, one thought and a question. So mm -hmm. I think you're right. People just are clueless right now. What our military is doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And that we're still keeping guys busy over there so they don't come here. Mm -hmm. Right. In world war two, everybody participated mm -hmm. yeah the whole country participated mm -hmm. like if you were yeah. making refrigerators or gm vehicles or jeeps you were no longer making those you were making stuff for the military mm -hmm. people at home were sacrificing everyone was sacrificing during that time mm -hmm. now people are still complaining that their latte isn't extra hot yeah right there's yeah. no sacrifices in this country <laughs> right and i talked to so many veterans and they're like if i hear someone complain about their drink again when i just came back two weeks ago from a third world country where you know, people didn't have shoes and they were squatting and, and mm -hmm. you know, sleeping in the most deplorable things and kids were being abused and um, molested and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. here's someone complaining about this, right? You've, you've been through all that. The second thing I want to ask you really quick, and this is a question, a selfish question for me is, so you're reading this. What was the name of that book again? Surprise? Kill Vanish. Okay. So you're reading all this stuff. You have information that nobody knows, right? All this intel. How do you, at the end of the day, hang with your wife and your child and get a good night's sleep knowing what you know? Yes, sir. So um, 
So I, I defer back to my upbringing and my sister can attest to this. Um, so my, my father um, was very much a workaholic. He's a, he's a, he's a cop in Florida and um, you know, he, he's very much made a name for himself. He, you know, was a detective uh, for homicide. He's done economic crimes. He's been, you know, gang units, everything. I mean, he's been, a, he's been in law enforcement for 37 years. He's, he's, all, yeah. he, he's a fantastic cop, but the problem was it, it's, it's like the, the, the movie Argo where they're sitting there and they're talking and said, you're, it's like a coal miner, you know, you, you never wash it off. And so I think from an early age for me, I, I saw that and I was like, okay, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that way. No, I'm not perfect mm. at it. I'm not perfect at it. But you know, when I come home and I see my son and he's just smiling, mm. he's like super happy to see me. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I just, I realize what's important in my life and, and that's, what's important to me is, is my family. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about this whole entire time is that is you know, I can leave it at work because I know that at work I'm leaving it all on the table so that my wife and my kid and everybody else's family can can mm. sleep better at night. And and I can leave that at work, um, you know, and, and every day I, I wake up and I go to work and I give it everything that I can, because even on a micro level, uh, I can affect change in whatever capacity that may be. Um and, and I'm passionate about it. I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about serving my country and then also taking care of my, my troops. Uh, I love taking care of soldiers in, in whatever capacity that I can, because that to me is like what, what I'm there for is, is to affect change. And so whenever I feel as though I'm doing that, it's easy to leave work at home because I feel good about myself. I feel, I feel as though I've done what I set out to do. Uh, you know, not only that day, but in my career, I never, I never came into this thinking like, I'm just going to go and, and climb a ladder and, you know, whatever I, I came in there to affect change. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love it. I, I really do. I love the people that I work with. I, I, you know, especially now I love the, the leadership that I have. They're, they're a fantastic group of people. I mean, and I'm not saying that just to say that they care. Um, mm. but it is, it, it's, it's hard to leave at home. I mean, for sure. Um, you know, especially deployed, uh, you know, you're, you're there and, you know, you're, you're flying one day and, uh, you know, something happens, something bad happens. And, you know, then you get to FaceTime with the, the family back home and, uh, you're like, you know, you just put on all smiles. And, uh, you know, it was, it was funny one time when I was over there, I was, uh, I was actually FaceTiming with my mom and, uh, there's only this one spot you could get Wi-Fi in the ballroom. And, uh, <laughs> so it was outside. And uh, I remember I was sitting there and I was talking with her and all of a sudden we started getting rocketed. And I was like, I got to go. Like these horns start going off and all this other stuff. I, like, I got to go. And I thought I hit, you know, end oh. call. And, yeah. and I'm running to a bunker and there's like, doof, doof, you know, you hear these explosions. And, uh, and my mom is like, Ian, are you okay? And I was like, oh, crap. And I like, had to hang up. Um, you know, but, it, you know, it. You know, it was, it was, you know, it's funny now, but at the time, you know, it's, it's very serious because, you know, it really kind of opens up your eyes to, to what, uh, what really goes on over there. And like I said, I mean, my, my deployment in comparison to, to most everybody else's was, uh, I mean, they, they laugh at, um, you know, cause you know, as a pilot, I was on, on a You're really a nice idiot. air base. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, and so that's, you know, to me, like, that's me still giving back is talking to individuals like you so that we can, you know, highlight that the, the individuals that did that, you know, that don't come back for one. And then, you know, ones that come back with the, 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 the visible scars, um, as well as the invisible ones. I mean, 22, 22 veterans a day kill themselves. Uh, if you've heard of the 22 day challenge, sure. push up challenge, sure. um, you know, and, and I think, 
you know, individuals like you are, are, are godsend. I mean, truly I, I do because you give people yeah. a way out. Why do people, why do veterans do that? Well, they miss the camaraderie. Okay. Well, you know, we've covered that. You have a job or you can get into a job where you have that camaraderie where you can get with veterans or you can start business with other veterans. You know, you bring that, that sense of community. Um, you have a purpose. You know, that's why a lot of these people leave because, you know, while they're in the military, they're a staff sergeant, they're a captain, or they're whatever. Um, you know, you had pride, you had a title, you had, you know, you had your thing, you had your soldiers. And when they leave, the, you know, there's, there's not that anymore. And so, you know, having, you know, doing something like this and pushing that out to people to, to realize like, you, you, you know, you have hope, you have an out, like this doesn't need to be the answer. This doesn't need to be the be all end all of, of what, of, of the story of your life. You know, everybody has a story. Everybody has a chapter and you, you know, too many veterans close, close the chapter or close the book, you know, a few chapters short um, yeah. because, because they feel, because they feel that way. And I'm very passionate about stuff like that. And, you know, if you wore the uniform, you know, and, and you served honorably, you're, you're okay in my book and I'll do anything that I can to help people like that out because that's what we do. We're supposed to take care of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. First off, I'm going to sleep better tonight knowing that you, when you're at work, you give it your all, right? Because you're not just protecting, you know, your family, you're protecting the country, your fellow soldiers, everything. And that gives me a lot of hope um, for this country. Second, second comment I want to make is, you know, a lot of these men and women believe their uniform is their identity. Mm -hmm. It's who they are. And when they put yep. that uniform away, I can't tell you how many we've had a lot of, NFL players, uh, Brian Jennings, 13 years in the NFL, 49ers, never missed a snap. Um, he cried the whole way home when he when he retired. He put his uniform away. Like, who am I now? Ever since I was a kid, right? You mm -hmm. know? Um, same thing with UFC fighters, a lot of professional athletes. And so really spending time with yourself mm -hmm. and getting to know yourself after you leave the military is really important. And you mm -hmm. need to create that space for yourself without any distractions because – when you're by yourself and your own thoughts, that's scary for a lot of people. That's scary for me, right? I don't like the conversation I'm having with, you know, with right. my with myself. And so, if you can be comfortable with yourself, mm -hmm. and that's a challenge in its in itself, that's where I see a lot of veterans start to make strides. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to take a little walkabout, you know, mm -hmm. and just kind of spend some time out in nature by yourself. I, I got done listening to a great book on audible and i referred it to i don't know dozens of veterans and at first they're like what is matthew mcconaughey what am i going <laughs> to learn from matthew mcconaughey all right all right all right all right, right? <laughs> and he wrote this book called green lights and he's been journaling ever since he was 14 years old he's 51 now he wrote a fantastic book and i send it to some big burly badass veterans and they were like dude that was one of the best books i've ever listened to mm-hmm it's a phenomenal book. And, you know, at times in his life, he just kind of got out. It's a little bit easier when you, you know, you make $20 million of film to kind of take yeah. 30 days off. Right. Yeah. And he talks yeah. about that in some of his interviews, but there's no reason why you can't take a few days off mm -hmm. and escape and jump in your car. Don't bring any other than a cell phone, right. For emergencies and just kind of be with yourself and see mm -hmm. what comes up. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just having that, that, you know, that, that, person to go to that's going to sit there and be honest with you you know like having that friend to me you know having uh, you know my best friend to sit there and you know like hey what do you think about this you know 
that's stupid. Like, okay, you know, cool. But having that, that person that's going to sit there and, you know, kick you in the face whenever you need it, um, you know, is, is also a big thing whenever you're talking about something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, guys it, don't go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, you, you hit the, you hit the nail right on the head whenever you sat there and you talked about, um, you know, the, the uniform being your identity. And, and I think that that is, I mean, that's, that's a huge statement. It's a very accurate statement. You know, a lot of people and uh, it, it's, it's easy to do, you know, that, that uniform is you like that, you know, a lot of people, and you got to go back to like why they joined the military. You know, a lot of people that joined the military were, you know, either stuck in bad situations or they were picked on in school. And, you know, like this was their, you know, their shiny moment to sit there and to belong to something and to, you know, I don't know, like feed, feed whatever narrative they, they, they wanted that, you know, they they were something more than that, that they've been told their whole entire life. And so whenever you do that and you go 20 years or 25 years or 30 years and, and you're, you're, you know, you still have that in the back of your head, this uniform has then become your identity. And then when you transition out, you're back to what you're back to the nerdy kid, you're back to the person who got picked on, like, what are you? And if you don't have the self-reflection to sit back and to look at who you were as a person before you ever joined the military and maintain that throughout, I mean, it's very hard for people to sit there and forget that they're not a lieutenant colonel anymore, that they're not a sergeant first class anymore. Um, and that I think a lot of people struggle with very much. And I think that that's why you have a lot of this depression coming out of the military compounded with the PTSD and everything else. Hundred percent, and you and you nailed something right there. You know, I think a lot of the senior leaders have sometimes even a tougher transition, mm -hmm. right? Because I remember talking to a thirty-one-year Marine. I think he was a command sergeant major at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. You, you, you saw me. I'm six four, two twenty. I'm a big guy, yeah. right? This yeah. guy was like six six, two eighty. He could have eaten me, and you wouldn't even be able to tell. <laughs> like the dude was a beast. Yeah. And he was getting out, and I said, "Sir, what do you want to do?" And he goes, well, "I want to be a high school football coach." And I'm like, mm -hmm. "Well, you sure look like one." You yeah. know, this guy was a beast. And he goes, "Yeah, but I, I emailed you know six or seven of the local high schools, and no one emailed me back. They don't want me." Mm -hmm. And I go, first off." I said, how many times have you emailed one of your Marines and they've not emailed you back? And he looked at me and all these young Marines were in there and they're like, no one's ever not emailed me back because he was the command sergeant major. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? Lieutenant mm -hmm. colonels, if they email anyone with a, a lower rank on their mm -hmm. chest, then you, you're going to get an email back. Mm -hmm. And so he just felt defeated because he didn't get a response. And I go, dude, I go, they're not seeing your email. And he goes, oh, no, I sent an email. I go, no, 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 no. You need to create a video that you've trained Marines for 31 years. You need to show up at their school, mm -hmm. right? Just your yep. presence alone. Like you look at the guy and like I don't get intimidated too often, right, by size-wise. Mm -hmm. This guy felt like he could – I didn't even want to look at him. I thought he was going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. the dude was a beast. Yeah. Like he shows up at a school and I go – and I looked at the room and I'm like, how many young Marines can do a video for this guy and get him a, you know, a look at a, a school? And they're all like, well, I create videos on my cell phone all the time. Like this guy, mm -hmm. 31 Marine, 31 years, he's not going to create a video on his Android phone. It looked mm -hmm. like an Android phone from like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if it had icons on it, right? And so, um, yeah, we followed up with them and and he he's a, like an assistant football coach now, right? And nice. so a lot of these people, you know, you walk around on a military base, you just by looking at their chest, you know exactly who they are, what they've done, where they've been, right? 
Mm -hmm. all their stuff. Civilians don't have that. Mm -hmm. They don't have that. And so you're exactly right. They're still dealing with childhood issues, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm still dealing with childhood issues. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed tons of people. I wrote a book called Mission Next. They're Mm -hmm. either running from something or running to something when they join the military. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I interviewed a guy. He was uh, went to a, a Catholic high school. He was molested by two coaches and a teacher repeatedly. Hmm. Scrawny little 14-year-old kid. I interviewed him. It's on one of, one of my podcasts. And he said he was joining the military. He decided that because he's never going to be in a position where he can't defend himself again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, you know he's got to still be dealing with that. I'm sure he's gotten. He's a very oh, successful yeah. guy right now. But you're exactly right. And and you're no longer being asked questions at the Detroit airport where you've been because you got your uniform on. You're Mm -hmm. just Ian from Killeen, Texas. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're from Killeen, Texas, there's a good chance you're a veteran because there's a lot of veterans there. But let's say you go back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, or you go back to Alabama. Mm -hmm. You're not being thanked. You're not being bought coffee. You're not being recognized. Mm -hmm. You don't have anyone to bark orders at. You don't have Mm -hmm. anyone to be held responsible to. Mm -hmm. That's a big challenge. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, and uh, it's one that we see far too often uh, that ends in tragedy uh, more than success. Um, yeah. and you know, and that's why you know, like what we talked about earlier with those guys that started, you know, successful companies, and you know, and really like the the, the, the you know, I'm not, I gotta make sure that I say this. I'm not advocating one way or another for you know a coffee of your choice, but uh, the guys from Black Rifle Coffee Company, you know, Matt Best, and all those guys. I mean, the way that they go about it, I think, is 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 interesting. You know, they they kind of laugh about it. They kind of, you know, they they relive it, but in a comedic way. You know, they're still gun toting, you know, Americans. And I think to me, like that is, uh, you know, if that's the way that works for them, then that's, that's it's a it's a method for them to to deal with that. Because I know Matt, I've read up on him. You know, he's in the Ranger Battalions and stuff like that. Um, so you know that he saw, you know, combat. And so to me, like how he deals with that to me is how I surmise it is, you know, that's how, that's how he deals with it is he, he just kind of laughs at it and he makes a joke out of it, but you know, whatever mechanism you have to utilize to, to get past that, whatever your experiences were is, is, is what you you do. So long as you are successful at it and you don't let it overcome you, it's, uh, you know, just like, just like anything else hard in life, you know, you, you, you know, sucks and, it happened, but there's nothing you can do about it. The only thing that you can do is is not let it define who you become. Yeah, and 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 those guys, super professional, right? Built mm-hmm. a great business. You cannot be professional and not have the right team. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee most days those guys are having fun. Oh yeah, those guys are yeah. laughing at work. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're just pulling pranks on each other, having the best time at work. And mm-hmm. most Americans. Nice. I think there was a poll that just came out. 83% of Americans don't like their job. They mm-hmm. hate going to work. Mm-hmm. I think it was only 7% enjoy. Mm-hmm. The guys that work at Black Rifle, they're in that 7% that cannot wait to get up and go sell some coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, no reason, there's no reason why anyone listening to this cannot create that own atmosphere for themselves. And that's why I said earlier, so when you go in with somebody else, even one partner, like you said, you have a friend that you can talk to that can hold you, you know, hold you accountable. When you go mm-hmm. in, even with a visit with one other person, you got somebody there that you can connect with, that you can work with, that you can, you know, use each other's strength, you can have fun with, right? Mm-hmm. And then you bring in more people. You get to choose who you get to work with when you own your own business. Mm-hmm. When you go work for a company, you don't choose who you work with. When you join mm-hmm. the military, you don't get to choose who you work with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. So, so this is great. Yeah. I love yeah. this. And I love Jack just sitting there. I don't know if he's, if he's building an engineering self-driving car back there, or if he's <laughs> doing some engineering for the podcast and he's Sammy's, designing a battery that works in 40 below. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. He's going to send that to, uh, to you. And yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sammy's just down there. She's on my bottom right, and I can just see her. And she's just she looks like a natural person you would see, um, like on Sirius Radio doing a show. Yeah, like on NPR. Like NPR is her thing. I'm actually biting my tongue because there's been a couple times you guys have totally segued to something funny, and I'm like, ah, I better just stop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, this is great, and I'm excited for you because. Um, I mean, you got 10 years left in the military, which is great, but you can, you can do these things. There was a guy, a F-35 pilot that I talked to, I don't know, three or four years ago, and he was starting to get a little bit of traction um, doing some podcasts. And I got to look and see his hard ground. I'll, I'll send it to you. But anyways, um, I'm like, dude, I'm like, you need to get a landing page and a website and start collecting email addresses and start doing these things. I, I follow him on YouTube. His last video got like 257,000 views mm -hmm. on it. That's huge. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's still in the military. He's still flying. And when he contacted me, he was going to build an app on how to get focused. Mm -hmm. Like when he gets in that plane, he knows, you know, there's like when you fly, like, well, you better be focused, right? Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of things that can happen if you're not dialed in. Yeah. Especially you know? for those guys. They're, they're a lot faster than we are. So. Yeah. 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 But regardless, I don't mm -hmm. care. You're still operating. I don't even know how many tons or whatever um, aircraft you're, you're flying. But so, and he pivoted, and the dude has got a ton of success. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, it's just awesome. And I had such a small, small part of, of that whole process. Mm -hmm. But I see you doing the same thing and just getting interesting guests and having interesting conversations. And of course, you're kind of toting the line a little bit of what you can share and what you can't share. Yeah. Um, and be and be mindful of that. But I think your message too of which I think is even a really uh, probably the most important message right now, and I'm glad we talked about it a little bit is, hey, listen, start thinking for yourself. When you yeah. see that little clickbait thing on the side, and you know, I get text messages. Oh my gosh, the Pope was just arrested and was executed mm -hmm. immediately, and yeah, and Biden is now being hauled off, and that's why the military is there. I'm like, where do you get this information from? There are millions and millions and millions of people who believe this information, right? Who are living in fear. And when you live in fear and you live in fight or flight, your immune system gets depressed mm -hmm. dramatically. And then I don't care if it's, there's no more flu, there's mm -hmm. just COVID. There's no flu yep. or colds. You can't have that. But nope. all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're no longer asymptomatic, which mm -hmm. just means healthy. 80% of the people, I wish they would just call them healthy people who get COVID. There's no symptoms. But all of a sudden, you're living in that fear and your immune system is depressed. You're going to get sick. Mm -hmm. yep. You're going to get sick. And so stay off of some of these social media things mm -hmm. and realize that you're aiding and abetting in Russia and China, creating the biggest civil war probably ever mm -hmm. and yeah. divide in this country. Mm -hmm. And I know family members not talking to other family members because of this whole political thing or COVID thing or vaccine or no vaccine or Trump or Biden or whatever the case may be. And it's, it's a bunch of it is BS and correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong on that, but a lot of this stuff is just clickbait stuff that isn't even true. Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Um, you know, it, it's just like, 
it, it goes back to to me it, the the most simplest of things is is work cited right like when you write a paper you 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 have a works cited page where you gathered all of your sources from like that's standard writing a paper correct me if i'm wrong jack because you're more current in college than i am but when i went through <coughs> a while ago uh, we still had to do works cited pages mm-hmm. um and so that's that's kind of you know especially with this with this podcast too is we want to make sure that we had transparency and that we had accurate information so jack's also our our google or we call it ask jack mm. um that's gonna uh, but we'll ask Jack and, you know, he'll, if we state a fact that is in question, whether or not it is an actual fact, he will also do the, the market research and ensure that it is from a reputable site that also, you know, most well-thinking, smart individuals could, uh, you know, could agree that it's, a, you know, okay, it's probably true if it's coming from Harvard Medicine. Okay, well, probably. You know, it's not Ash Jeeves, <laughs> if that's still yeah, like. yeah. But you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, because because I do, I, I you know, because if I'm wrong, I want to be told I'm wrong. I, I really do. Sure. Um, I like learning new things. I really do. Um, and so, you know, hopefully with this, you know, we can get past that. And we can get people listening and going, okay, like maybe I, maybe I do fall for the clickbait, or you know, oh, I didn't know that. Maybe I should lo- learn more about, I don't know, Russian uh, doctrine and how they. Uh, have overthrown governments by just paying state actors. Um, you know, cause to me that stuff's super interesting and, uh, maybe, maybe other people out there think it's interesting too, or even if they don't, maybe they will find it interesting. Um, I, I just hope to, to bring unity to at least to the United States and, and to, I mean, other people everywhere that, you know, th- there's always going to be differences there. I mean, my sister and I don't agree on a lot of things, but you know, we still sure. have, uh, we, you know, we can still respect each other's opinions. And so and we can it, still have a civil conversation. And you know, we don't have to together. scream and yell and be mad all the time at each other just because we disagreed on whatever, you know, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So Jack, you'll have to give me your report card on how I did on, uh, on fact checking me on this show. Okay, please. I think you did a good anything job. above, anything above a 1.8. <laughs> I think you and I were in the same page because uh, I was also an athlete growing up. I played ice hockey because uh, oh, okay, my my, nice. fa- my father was uh, a very short lived NHL career, okay. um, and so uh, I played hockey for a long time. To where that was that was life. School was not. Uh, so I think I graduated high school with like a like a two point two, and so I actually had to enlist in the army first to get my GPA up. So I went to community college. <laughs> got my gpa up and then i got into a four-year program so uh anybody awesome. out there that thinks that i'm smart i'm i'm definitely not <laughs> well so. you're anyone out there listening to can tell you're smart and and that just shows and i'm not claiming to be smart by any stretch of the imagination i feel like i'm 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 well learned and i love the fact that you said you're always like to learn is that college is great um especially if you want to become an engineer electrical engineer you need to know all that kind of stuff and calculations but the real learning starts when you get out of school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't don't think it stops when you get out of school. So um, so who's your NH- who's your NHL team then? Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning, not the Knights. The Knights are uh, a veteran owned Vegas. Vegas Vegas is owned by a veteran. Well, well, I mean, so I will give Vegas their their just praise. Uh, because what they've been in the in the league for four years now or something like that, and like their first year they went to the show or they went to the I think they went to Stanley Cup playoffs, Stanley Cup finals. They went they, to the finals. finals the they did go to the finals, year, yeah. and then they got beat by uh, Washington. Washington. 
Um, so I, I will give them their, their, you know, good job. I, I do like them. They're not Montreal. I, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I don't like the Montreal Canadians at all. I don't like the Ottawa senators at all. I despise the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but that's because, you know, there's a story about my dad with Scotty Bowman was the head coach of the, the, uh, Detroit Red Wings when my dad was uh, up in Buffalo playing. And uh, my dad got hurt and Scotty Bowman cut him. And so like ever since then, we've, we've hated Scotty Bowman. So ergo, we hated the most successful team in the NHL at the time, which was the Detroit Red Wing. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, so I have just like a huge history in Tampa because I, I got to play what was known at the time of the St. Pete Times Forum where the Lightning play. And then my dad's best friend, my uncle Chris, has been a season ticket holder since the team was founded in the 90s, I believe. Wow. And uh, in 2003, uh, Tampa was going to game seven against Calgary and, uh, you know, for the finals and they won. And I was like a 15 year old kid and it was just like a dream come true, you know, being there at the stadium. I mean, like I didn't just have good seats. I had like excellent seats, center ice, 15 rows up from the player's bench. Like I got to see it all. And it was just the most incredible experience of my life. And so, you know, I, I grew up loving the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you know, they're my team and they are the defending Stanley Cup champions uh, from last year. They are. They are. They are. Yeah. And then yeah. the Buff Buffalo Bills are, are is my football team, at least. Uh, and they are also doing very well this year. Yeah, they, they play today or tomorrow, right? They play tomorrow at 630 and uh, first time in 25 years that they've been <laughs> worth a damn. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to finally be like, Ooh, uh, you know, and then Texas A&M is my college football team, which they did very well as well, because that's where I'm, yeah. I'm applying to go for a master's degree. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, we're we're kind of a hodgepodge family uh, of nomads, you know, grew up in Florida, but we're kind of scattered all over the place. Um, but it's been great for me, at least. Uh, I, I love moving to new places and experiencing new things. And you know, I never thought that I would love Texas uh, just based on growing up outside of Orlando. Uh, you know, you go to Orlando and you meet Texans and they're just like, Texas this, Texas that. And you're like, oh, I don't like you guys, you know, but then you yeah. come here and you realize why you like Texas. It's because it's, it's an amazing place for me to live. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey, you know, for sure. And, uh, I just, I like talking to people. And I like learning new things and that's, that's kind of what was the inspiration for me to do something like this. That's well, awesome. that and well, then also talking to you. <laughs> ah, well, congratulations. And, um, yeah, if anything, you'd start a uh, sports podcast and you can have me on there. I don't know that much about sports, but I do know that the Knights are the only team that have made the playoffs every single year. They've been they in have. existence and they are owned by a former West pointer. They turned are businessman turned millionaire turns. Yeah. Billionaire. You have, yeah. Billionaire. yeah. So, yeah. Whenever you, you have too much money, you buy a sports team. You buy a sports team. Yeah. That's a good way. If you have too much money, you either buy a winery if you want to lose money or potentially uh -huh. a sports team. I think a sports team is a better is a better investment. But really? um I think so. Wineries, they, they say that the big joke is, you know, um, you know, if you're a billionaire and you buy a winery, it's the quickest way to become a millionaire. Ah. Which you is lose interesting a lot of money. to me. Because you, you talk to me about Allegiant Air the guy being worth a billion dollars, which is interesting mm -hmm. because they always say in the aviation community that if you want to make a million dollars in aviation, you have to spend $2 million, which I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not great at math, but that doesn't, doesn't seem right to me that you spend. Yeah. Money. So, so Maury Gallagher, the founder, he was a neighbor of mine, one of the most genuinely nice guy, super Patriot. Um, he was one of our very first speakers um, at JBLM. And I said, you know, Hey, I, you know, I'll get you a, a ticket to come up to JBLM. And he's like, well, we'll just fly you know, one of my planes, I'm like, Oh, Allegiant flies to Seattle. And he goes, no, 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 no. I own a couple of planes. 
I had no idea the guy owned a private jet. So I got to fly on his private jet with Forrest Griffin and a couple other speakers. And we got permission to land at JBLM. Oh, wow. On the base. And so he was like, like he was like a, just a thing. We got to go into this big nuclear place where all the aircraft were at. It was just this super cool thing. Um, but yeah, he, he is a very successful entrepreneur and Allegiant. Now this, the, 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 the Las Vegas Raiders, the stadium is named Allegiant stadium. Mm. He, nice. he has done extremely, extremely well, very shrewd businessman. Very, very nice man. You would, if you saw him, you'd never know he'd be worth You'd ask him if he needs change to go buy something. You could, <laughs> he just doesn't dress like he's got a lot of money. Yeah, uh, but it's just a super genuine, nice guy. But yeah, very, very successful. Now they got hammered last year, obviously, like yeah. all the airlines did, um, and they're slowly starting to come back. But that's a whole other topic, right? Aviation, and it's just like it's crazy how with COVID you got to stand six feet apart, six feet apart, six feet apart in the airport and security and everything, and then you get on a plane. Yeah, and now you're shoulder to shoulder with somebody. Not even the middle seats. I'm like, I was just out there, and it was getting yelled at for being not on the X. And now all of a sudden, I'm 157 people on an aircraft with poor air circulation. Yeah, well, make sure with you people wear your mask. You're good. Well, people sneezing in their mask, eating, they're touching it. I'm like, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're fine. You just, you just keep your mask on. No longer an issue. That's a different topic. <laughs> I don't want to get any of us. Where, where's our fact checker? Uh, yeah. I don't want to make any statements on that. Yeah. Yeah. This, the CDC's website is not going to be helpful to us on this conversation. No. I don't think. I'm just making recommendations but, uh, based on what the CDC has told me. So that's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Wait, congratulations. Which, which time? Which time are you talking about? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. A number of different yeah. recommendations. <laughs> but um, congratulations. This is awesome. This is this is great. And if you need some guests that you're interested in and they've been an ADU speaker, I would love to, you know, get in touch with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And have them join your podcast. And we got some great thought leaders um, who would love to share. And I even have some people from a historian standpoint that would probably love to share um, with you, there's a guy named Ryan Holiday. I don't know if you ever heard of Ryan Holiday, he's spoken hey, Ryan, a handful. Ryan, of, Ryan, Ryan, R Y A N. He's written a handful of New York Times bestsellers, but he's a uh, he's like a stoic follower. But he is very well well read, um, and he knows uh, the history of civilizations and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't fall in line with some of his politics, but. Um, he's very, very thoughtful and very well read. And I have a couple other people like that as well. So Ryan's a super good guy. Uh, and he lives in Texas and um, very, very busy. Just look him up. I mean, he's all over the place. He's been on dozens, hundreds of podcasts. But um, but yeah, just hit me up on some, some people that you might want to have as guests. And um, I'll definitely make recommendations and share some uh, ideas for you. Yeah, no, that, I mean, I would love, cause I'm a history nerd. That was my, my major in college. Uh, so I would okay. that up. However, I can't think just about me. I got to think about the other two on here. Um, so I may oh, be yeah, hitting you up as far as like a list of, of individuals that you may know and like what topics they could bring to the table and then share that with, uh, the other two here. Um, and, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to thing one and thing two, <laughs> thing one and thing two, uh, and, and, you know, possibly, um, you know, if we see something that, that is interested or interesting to us, um, you know, talk about it and then, and then, you know, reach out to that individual and have them on here. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. This is the apolitical podcast as well. Like no politics. Yeah, yeah. And the other guy that I could I might be able to get you on the podcast is Maury Gallagher, the founder of Allegiant, yeah. right? You guys are both awesome. And he is That's a cool. historian to the tenth degree, super mm. well read, super intelligent. Like I've spent time with him and um I feel like a not even a smart third grader or whatever that show was smarter than a fifth grader or yeah. whatever. Like yeah. I felt like the dumbest fifth grader on the planet. Um, Cause he is just brilliant history buff, like no other. Um, I bet you he would really enjoy being on your, on your podcast. Cause you got the aviation tie there. I do. Yes, sir. Yeah. That would, nice. I would love that. Both of those things are super interesting to me. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I'll actually text him. Do you guys have a website or a landing page up yet for your podcast? Oh, uh, we, Go ahead, Jack. Not yet. We we don't okay. have that, but we do have the uh, the email address that is set up. Um, that if you wanted to reach out to us, you could just send it to that. And um, okay, know, we're we're slowly growing. You know, um, obviously some things that we haven't thought about, but you know, just want to get it get it off and running and see how we did. That's awesome. No, this was a, this was awesome. This was a lot of fun too. Yeah. So Jack, get on that. Just grab a landing page. Go to la- you know landing pages or Squarespace. Or get a real simple landing page up, and you, we can talk offline on. I got there's some free ones you can do. Okay. So this way, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to Google you and Google the podcast and see which guests have been on, which haven't, and all that kind of stuff. And you're new, and the people I'll, I'll introduce you to, I'll just let them know that. But I think that's important to have. Um, same thing when you're starting a business, like you know, whether you're doing consulting, you need some type of an online presence mm-hmm. um, to show what you have. But Jack can get one of those up. He can whip one of those up in two hours. Oh, wow. Easy. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. if he's playing a video game while he's building that website. <laughs> Probably yeah. crush it out in about an hour. Probably. So, he's, a, um, he's a smart yeah. kid. Yeah, he's a smart yeah. kid. So. Yeah, cool. you can tell. You can tell. <laughs> All right, Ian. All right. Jack, Sammy, pleasure to spend Thank the afternoon you. with you. Yes, sir. Thank you very yeah. much for uh, for for joining us today. We really appreciate your time, and uh, you have a good rest of your day. Uh, you too. Take care, all. Yes, Thank you. Bye. Thank you, all sir. Right. Bye, bye.